0: So we're going to continue in the book of Philippians today. We're gonna to, we're going to look at the joy of the Lord once again. And uh, so I want to I want to ask I want to start with a question: Have you ever been in a public place and just sat down and watched people walk by? I'm a, I'm a people watcher. Wherever I go, I love to watch people. It's so instructive. It's funny sometimes. It's depressing sometimes. It's joyous sometimes. And you see people from every walk of life and. And uh, so when I'm in an airport or a sporting event or wherever I'm at, I'm always watching people. And what I've discovered about people is, is uh, a lot of people seem like in the culture that we live today have heavy hearts. They walk around feeling like or looking like that, you know, somebody just important died or, or something grave has happened in their life. And, and so you even see this among people who follow Christ. It's amazing to me that sometimes Christians look like basset hounds. I don't know why, because of all the things that we have, we have uh, for us and in us and, and all the promises that God makes to us. And so I would, you would think that sometimes Christians were baptized in vinegar, not in water. I don't know what's up with that. But of all people of the earth, you and I have the reason to have the most joy, the most hope in our life, uh, and, and, and I think we underestimate the power that God wants us to have in this joy and so I that's what we're going to talk about today and I want to remind you that happiness comes from circumstances happiness comes and goes but joy is an internal perspective joy comes from God and God alone and as you as you experience God God and live God's perspective you can have the joy of the Lord even in the midst of very difficult circumstances so let me give you the background out of which Paul is writing. The words that we're going to look at today, we're going to be looking starting in about verse 12. We're going to look at uh, some very powerful verses. But let me give you some background. For the last four years, Paul has had some pretty miserable circumstances. He spent two years in a jail in uh, Caesarea and on a trumped up charge that he was not guilty of he was then sent on a ship to go to Rome to stand trial but the problem is is the ship got broken up and he was shipwrecked on and stranded on an island and when he landed on the island he got bit by a poisonous snake I mean that's not a good day right <laughs> now God was with him and God didn't and he didn't die and and uh, he ended up going to Rome and and then, it, when he got to Rome, he was chained. He was he was imprisoned, and he was chained to a Roman soldier for for 24 hour, 24 hours a day. And uh, that I mean that would be enough to make you cranky, right? I mean, just to be chained to somebody for 24 hours a day. And of all people, he had the right to probably be cr- cranky. But the truth is, is that he wasn't. And there were even people that were preaching Christ only for the purposes of adding to his misery. They thought that if they preached Christ, that it would stir up people and that he would get even more seriously punished. And so he writes in verse 18 his perspective about these people that are doing that. And he says, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. So here we find that Paul had this amazing perspective in life, that God was in control. Do you believe that? And that in the big things and the small things, he didn't sweat them. He just he just realized that whatever happened in his life, that God was orchestrating and directing and that he could rejoice and he could just sit back and watch God at work inside of his life. And And that is just a, an amazing perspective to have, is to have that kind of attitude of, of of not positive thinking but having a positive look on what god is doing that because you know life is hard i mean we don't want to we want to admit that life is hard but we want to have a realistic perspective of what god is doing as well it's like this enthusiastic uh mom who went to her first her son's first little league game and uh, he was pitching that day and he was a horrible pitcher he walked every every batter he got that got up he walked and uh, first inning it was 14 to nothing and so eventually there was a batter that got up and smacked the ball to right field you know got a base hit and his mom in reaction to that I mean this is how positive this mom was about her son going oh shoot darn it that kid messed up my kid's no hitter (laughs) now that's that's a good perspective to have I suppose so what I want to do with you today is I want to give you four essentials if you are going to live the kind of life of joy that paul had in the midst of difficult circumstances let's stop there do you really want that kind of joy in your life do you want to have that kind of joy that supersedes the circumstances of your life do you want to have that joy so if you're going to have that kind of joy you were kind of uncommitted there by the way i'm going to talk to you because this side of the audience apparently doesn't you all want to have that kind of joy in your life all right amen so so the truth is, is that there are some things that we have to adopt. There are some things that we have to take on. There are some things that we have to believe and we have to practice if you are, you and I are going to have that kind of joy. So the first essential to joyful living is having the right perspective of life. And here was Paul's perspective, beginning in chapter 1, verse 12. I already gave you the background of where he was. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news the snake bite the chains the ship you know being taken to rome against his will he said all those things everything everything that has happened to me has happened for one purpose and that is so that i would have a platform to present the gospel of jesus christ and that isn't that an amazing perspective and here's the truth everyone has problems right everyone has problems do you, let, let me just see here today anybody here not have problems all right because I'm going to become your problem after service if that's the case <laughs> right in your face I'm going to tell you about all the problems you could have the one thing we all share in common is that you and I are not problem free we have whether we acknowledge them or whether we try to ignore them it doesn't matter all of us have one thing that we share as humans makes us human is that all of us have struggles and drama and problems that we have in life, and I, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to love about heaven. I am the thing that I'm going to love most about heaven is this is, this is amazing. This is super sauce. This is just amazing. There is no drama in heaven. Isn't that great? There is no drama in heaven. Nobody's around you stirring stuff up. Nothing, nothing like that ever happens in heaven, and so, everyone has problems your problems are not as important however as how you look at your problems so if I'm going to have joy in my life I've got to have the right perspective about my problems as I face them so look at Philippians chapter 1 verse 13 again we're going back to that issue where these people are stirring things up about Paul and he says for everyone here including the whole palace guard knows that i'm in chains because of christ and because of my imprisonment most of most of the believers have have gained confidence and boldly speak god's message without fear here's paul's perspective is that he realized that the whole palace guard was being influenced influenced by him now let's stop there Timeout. So what's the big deal about that? Let me explain to you what the big deal is. These palace guards were elitist Roman soldiers. So much so that almost all of them were destined to some form of leadership in Rome. In fact, Nero had to court their favor if Nero wanted to do something Nero would have to court these elitist guards favor and so these are very influential people and the truth is is that Paul was chained to one of those every four hours he was chained four to six hours he was chained to one of them so he had the opportunity and I'm just wondering who's chained to who you know what I mean I mean I wouldn't want that assignment if I was an unbeliever oh you get to go be chained to Paul because you know what paul would do paul paul would be telling you about the love of christ for your life and how how your life would be so much better if you would just believe on him whom god has sent and so here we have paul's perspective of knowing that even in the midst of this difficult circumstance in his the midst of his problems that god was using him to influence a nation paul was living out what he penned to the Romans later on in this book the book of Romans, and he says, and we know that God has causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He's living out that verse of scripture right in our in front of our eyes. And here's what I learn is that every problem that I have, God has a purpose for. God has a purpose behind every one of my problems. Every one. And so the issue is You know as I think about this I shouldn't be asking when I have a problem I shouldn't be asking why why God have you ever asked God why I'm going to give you I'm going to tell you why none of your business (laughs) that's God's business but there is something that is your business and that is the question what I should be asking what should I do here God what do what should you have me to do what do you want me to say how should I respond but why doesn't have an answer to it you're going to be frustrated to to no end if you keep asking the question why I mean when I I got an illness several years ago and and that was my first question God why you know I you know hey God I'm trying to serve you why what's happening why is this why is this taking place and I asked that for about a month and then I realized I'm not getting an answer here God, you're not cooperating with me. You're not telling me why. You're just telling me what. And, you know, come on, God, let me have the answer why. And he just never told me why. And I'm telling you the same thing will be true of your life. God is not interested in answering the question why because why has no faith to it. If you know the answer of why, then you don't have to have any faith in your life to live out whatever problem you're dealing with. But what does have to have faith so, God, what do you want me to do in the midst of my circumstances? And let's stop asking the wrong question. Start asking the right question. So the question then is, is what is up with Paul? Why could he have such a positive perspective on his difficult circumstances? And so I'm going I'm to give you a glimpse into Paul's life. I am certain and I know that Paul didn't have Google Maps in his day. You understand that? But Google Maps have helped me understand a great deal about God, and here's how. You know, whenever I'm traveling, I, I, how many use Google Maps here? Anybody use Google Maps. Okay, great tool that we have. Whenever I get lost, you know what I do is I zoom out. I just zoom out. i got to get a larger perspective. Oh, there I am. There's where I want to go. See, sometimes I get so detail-oriented that I lose my way. Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? you get turned in the wrong direction so the answer with google maps whenever that happens is you just zoom out and i think that's what paul did paul had the ability the uncanny ability to zoom out and see life from god's perspective to see the planet from what god saw and i think that is so helpful in my life to see my problem from god's perspective is absolutely essential if i'm ever going to have joy in my life and i'm just so you know There's always an end to your problem. Problems are not permanent. God is permanent. Problems are not. There's always an end to whatever you're going through, so you just have to learn to zoom out for God's perspective. The second essential for joyful living, first one is I have to have the right perspective. The second one is that I have to live with the right priority in my life. And priority is essential. When you want to know somebody who is effective in this world, Every time you see someone who is effective, I'm going to show you someone who has the right priority in their life. So I'm going to start with a question. What is your number one priority? If you don't know, then look at me right now. I'm going to say something to you that's a little bit hard. It's quite harsh, but it's true. Then you are right now living out someone else's priorities for your life. If you're not living your own priority out, if you haven't figured that out, then you are now just responding to what other people want you to do. So what's essential if I'm going to have joy in my life is to figure out my number one, what is the number one priority that I have and I live through my problems with that priority. When things get tough, I have to really understand what's important. I really need to know when things get tough, what's important. And sometimes we get lost there. In that, that piece, because we lose our priority when things get tough. There was a true story of a lady in te- somewhere in Texas who it was 99 degrees out, very humid, and she accidentally locked her baby in her car. And could you imagine? And you're talking about minutes here, and this child could die with no air conditioning and, and, you know, and, and, you know, and just suffocating in that car. So she's frantic. There's a tow truck driver that was in the area. He saw what was going on. He ran to his truck. He got a hammer out. He ran to the car, and he busted out the back window of her car, rescued the baby. You would think that would be the end of a great story. Amen? You know, would you say amen to that? Amen? That was a great story, right? But the mom was a little upset because now her window's broken. And so she said, it wasn't there another way. Couldn't you have gotten one of your tools out? And uh, so she lost. Law- here's what happened. In the midst of, middle of this crisis, she lost her priority. And that happens sometimes. And by, if I don't know what my priority is, I'm going to get lost in the journey. So I need to know what my number one priority is. I don't know what it is for your life, but I do know what it was for Paul's life. And I'm pretty certain I know what it is for my life. And uh, so that number one priority for Paul was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ we come to verse 1 verse chapter 1 verse 15 and now we come to this back to this story of these guys that are stirring up trouble by preaching the gospel and Paul says it is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry but others preach out of about Christ with pure motives they preach because they love me for they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news those others do uh, do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. Here's what Paul's attitude was. It doesn't matter. I don't, care. I don't care whether someone preaches for right motives or wrong motives. He just cared that the gospel of Christ was preached. That was, you can see in his life, that was his number one priority, was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to suggest to you as a believer, as somebody who is a Christ follower, you can have many priorities. But in my opinion, if you want to really walk with God and have the joy of the Lord, having the perspective or the priority that that the gospel is the number one important thing in your life, the, Christ, the fact that Christ died for you, that he was buried and rose again, and now commissions you to live in this world with that message of transformation, that has to become the most important thing in your life so the question I want to ask you again what is the most important thing in your life what's the most important in your life what I learned to focus on is what really counts there is a third essential for living with the joy of the Lord in our life in the midst of our problems and that is learning to have the power of God in our life that creates joy so Philippians verse one, chapter 1, verse 19 says, And I will continue to rejoice, Paul says, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as, as you pray for me and the Spirit of Christ Jesus helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. I want you to notice there are two things in this passage that Paul took great comfort in, that Paul depended upon. One was the prayer of other believers, and that's, uh, the, that was the first thing. And the second thing was the power of God's Spirit in his own life to lead him. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or I die. You see, Paul wasn't as concerned about whether he was going to be released as whether he was going to be faithful. He wanted to be faithful. You see that? His number one priority was to be faithful, not to be released from prison. That's pretty instructive for us life can wear you out i mean you can get worn down by life but paul wasn't worn down because he had the right perspective a pollster came by the other day to take a poll at my door and uh he you know asked me a few questions then he yelled at me he says what do you mean undecided all i asked was where do you live and you know that's kind of how life is right <laughs> took some of you a minute to get that <laughs> but here's what i've discovered about life in just the, few, the 29 years that i've lived here there, life, seems to be, life seems to be one problem after another. It seems like I just conquer one problem and I you know, just get around the corner and there's this big truck running right towards me. Does anybody else have that experience? It seems like it's one problem after another and the fact is, is that I will lose joy unless I have an understanding of where my power comes from and where I can get strength from. And so Paul had two things. One is the prayer of others, and the other was the help of God's Spirit in his life. Those two things will result in hope. When you have other people praying for you, and you have the power of the Spirit in your own life, those things always result in having hope. And the truth is, is that hope is the most essential thing, the most essential commodity that we have. When you lose hope, it's game over. Cornell University did a study of 25,000 POWs in World War II, and this is what they discovered. They found that people can handle anything that comes their way if they have hope. Where does hope come from? It comes from the power of the Spirit in your own life, and it comes from being surrounded in a community of believers that are praying for you. That's why, listen to me carefully, that's why Christianity is more than showing up to church. It's community. It's family. It's living in a family. The family of God, it's lear- living in close contact with other believers who are praying for you. But for just a few minutes, I want to talk about prayer. Before I s- talk about prayer, I want to I want to say s- this simply straight out: I can handle anything if I have people praying for me, and if I'm depending upon the Holy Spirit, I can handle anything if I have those two things. So I want to talk about prayer for just a minute because. I believe that the American church misunderstands the purpose of prayer. So, you got to smile at me for a minute here because I'm going to tell you some hard things about prayer. Prayer, as I see prayer, and as I've experienced answered prayer, isn't about wins and losses. It's not about, Lord, here's the list of wins for my life, and if you'll just answer these things, then my life is going to be great and I can be joyous in the midst of my life, you know, in the midst of these wins. It's not about wins and losses. I reminded the story of this Cub Scout who had a project to, you know, to build one of those, you know, boxcars, those little miniature boxcars for racing, you know, how they do. And uh, he brought the, the block of wood home and his dad said, I don't know how to do that. Talk to your mother so he took the block of wood to his mother his mother said i don't know how to do that but i'll try and so they built this box car and and it was it was race day they showed up to it uh admittedly by mom and the boy it wasn't a very fancy car it wasn't very pretty and so it and it it was kind of wobbly so the race was about ready to start and this cub scout raised his hand to the cub scout master and said hey could i just could could i just pray time out could i just pray and so the, the Cub Scout Master said, I guess, I don't know, go ahead. And so he didn't pray out loud, he just bowed his head and he prayed. And uh, he raised his head back up and so they started the race. And there was a series of races and he won, to, his car made it to the finals. He won to the finals. And so it was down to his car against one other car. And so they let these things go and right at the last second, right at the last second the other car his competitor sped past his car and he lost and he jumps up and he shouts at the top of his lung hooray you know something like that and so the cub scout master was a little confused because he didn't he, the kid lost and he didn't know why he didn't know why he was celebrating so hard and uh, so he walks up to him and said so you know didn't you pray to win And the little boy said, no, I didn't pray to win. I just prayed that I wouldn't cry if I lost. (laughs) Right? And maybe that's a good prayer for you, right? Because prayer isn't about wins and losses. It's about the character of God in you. It's about the honor of Christ in you it's about the power of hope inside of you and maybe you know uh, you know here's the thing john the baptist in the center of god's will got his head cut off he got his you know people say you know it's safe to be in the center of god's will I've heard preachers say that and i'm thinking really (laughs) i don't think john would say that if he were here today got his head cut off being right in the center of god's will and i'm just simply saying maybe his prayers just don't make me cry you know what i mean maybe that's a great prayer for us is that God give me the character that I need to face this problem in my life with grace and glory and honor to your name maybe that is how I should learn how to pray prayer is not about necessarily wins and losses God gives us answers to prayer in wins but sometimes his answer is no and sometimes his answer is wait And I've got to be willing to be joyous in the midst of all that. So if I just understand the power of prayer, what I should be getting people to do is pray for me, pray for me that I would have the right character to deal with whatever God wants me to deal with. That I would have the right spirit inside of me to be resilient. Does that make sense? So prayer is about character. It's about intimacy. It's about your relationship with God. Those are the most important things about prayer. It's not about all the answers. Do you get that? Now, when God answers, you should be celebrating, and you should be telling everybody about the glory of Christ. But what happens when he doesn't? You should do the same thing. You should be honoring him in the same way when his answer is no because he has a bigger plan. The fourth essential for a joyous living is a purpose beyond myself. I've got to learn to live with a purpose beyond myself. This, purpo- this purpose can't have me at the center. I can't, my purpose can't be focused around me. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 says, this is Paul writing. He says, for me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. For me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what he's saying. If you're living for, for possessions, for pleasure, for position, for prestige, for wins, for losses, if you're winning, if you're living a life for wins and losses, you're going to either burn out or burn down. That is not that is not God's intended will for how God calls you to live. He doesn't call you to live for wins and losses. He calls for you to live for his purposes. And here's what I have learned along the way this is a cheesy acrostic but it's going to help you remember this this is how i learned to live this is how i learned to live with having the purpose of god in my mind and in my heart first of all this is an acrostic on joy so i need to remember that jesus is always first others are always second and i'm third that is how i'm supposed to live that's how jesus modeled it that's what jesus intended My friend Jane Albright, who used to be the coach here at Nevada, a coach here at Nevada, uh, has either a bumper sticker, I can't remember if it was a bumper sticker on her license plate. Somewhere in the back of her car I saw this. It says, I am third. That's what it means. Jesus is first, others are second, I'm third. Yourself is last. And if you begin to live that way, stop being preoccupied with yourself and about putting you at the center of the universe, I'm telling you what will result is the joy of the Lord inside of your life it is so powerful it's so true and i am convinced that the reason there is so much depression in the culture that you and i live that depression has skyrocketed in the last 20 to 30 years people are living with depression at unprecedented rates suicides and major depressions and i i don't believe this is the answer for every depression but listen to me carefully i believe that one of the reasons that our culture is so depressed is a preoccupation with self because you're going to have failure in your life that's the bottom line yeah you can clap it's okay it's the truth it's the truth that was a polite clap by the way i'm convinced i'm convinced that when you put up a supermodel and you and that's the model for young girls i believe eventually that's going to cause depression i believe that with all my heart i believe that when you put up a super stud that i can't live up to and that's the model if i if that's what i have to live up to i'm going to be depressed because i'm always going to find somebody who's prettier stronger faster better than me and as long as i'm preoccupied with myself i will always lose There, there was no win in that So I believe that I've got to figure out what God's purpose is for my life and that purpose does not mean that I'm at the center of that. I'm just not the center. And I believe that if you start living that way, you start living for the greater purpose in your life and you start living out putting Jesus first, others second, and yourself last, I believe that that formula will will always win in the end. It always wins in the end. I believe with all my heart that God wants you to have joy, but you're not going to have joy when you're preoccupied with self. Does that make any sense to you at all? That's the book of Philippians, my friends. It is.